0: Welcome back to the Two of Twine Podcast. I'm your host, Brooks Oman, and uh, today we're just going to do a uh, quick review of all the series going on. Um, we've got we've had games happen uh, recently. Um, all the series have played three games and uh, are at differing levels of um, competitiveness and uh, whatnot. So I'm going to start off with the, t- the two series that had games on Friday night and thus have games again. Today, I think the Warriors and Pelicans played about 3:30 Eastern Time and the Rockets and Jazz played about 8 Eastern Time. So, I'm going to talk both about them first and then talk Celtics, Sixers and uh Raptors, Cavs at the end as they played last night. And so, going to go a little bit deeper in on those and just kind of talk more specifically about the games whereas um the first two I'm just going to kind of talk about the series series at the as a whole. So, for the Warriors Pelicans, um, uh, it was pretty, pretty after uh, the Pelicans, you know, played the Warriors tough, but, but definitely, def- definitely took, took a couple hard L's and the first two games they were able to bounce back uh, last night and, uh, or on Friday night, my bad, excuse me, um, and delivered a pretty, pretty, pretty good beat down of the Warriors. Um, the, uh, they got huge games from AD and Rondo. Um, Rondo had another 20 plus assist game. He's like the only guy to have multiple 20 plus assist games in the playoffs, which is just kind of an absurd stat to have under your belt and just, just one of those weird, like, weird things that you, you'll only see kind of in the NBA and whatnot. Um, the, the kind of what the changes we saw here is the Pelicans were able on defense to kind of, they limited uh, the Warriors' transition opportunities. You know, uh, transition is kind of is, is a key cog in what the Warriors do, and if you're able to kind of get back um, and consistently contest and not let them get open, Open shots on cross matches and transition, it can uh, so pretty pretty uh, strongly hamper their effectiveness, which is which was big for the Pelicans. And then also on defense, they get a, did a good job of contesting, kind of walling off the paint, keeping the keeping Golden State from like getting consistently easy shots off of um, their offense. Um, in their set, Golden State runs a lot of cuts, um, a lot of stuff like that. They do a lot of off-ball screening and a lot of cutting and and, and movement-based principles. And if you can kind of um, keep them from from getting e- easy buckets off cuts and open shots consistently it can kind of slow down the machine of their offense, especially with Steph just kind of coming back from injury and still kind of getting his legs under him. And the Pelicans were definitely able to do that. Um, they were they kept uh, the Warriors kind of they didn't let them get system easy system buckets, um, which the Warriors feasted on, especially in Game One, but also got um, pretty consistently in Game Two. And so by cutting by keeping them from doing that, the Pelicans you know, were, were, were very effective in holding down, um, the Golden State offense. Offensively, for the Pelicans, they did a good job of attacking Golden State centers. They, uh, Steve Kerr made the change and moved, um, uh, Javon McGee back into the starting lineup and sent Andre Iguodala to the bench, and, this, and the uh, Pelicans took advantage of that. They attacked him, they attacked David West, they attacked Zaza Pachulia. they attacked Kevon Looney, they attacked them all pretty consistently, um, and just made it clear that, um, the car is going to have to make another adjustment on the fly and just and handle um, that because the the uh, Warriors were not good. The Warrior centers were not good. Um, they they weren't up to the task of consistently guarding Anthony Davis and handling them in all the actions. Um, and so Kerr will certainly have to make an adjustment. Um, what the Pelicans also did really well is. Um, when Rondo wasn't guarded, um, by, by Draymond, Draymond has been guarding Rondo a bunch and just kind of being like, okay, I'll let you shoot. Um, but when Rondo was guarded by a smaller guy who was able to, you know, pass around him. And so when you sag off deeply with a smaller guy, um, you don't have that pressure in their face. And so some, uh, some passing lanes open up. Um, if you if you're kind of a capable passer, Rondo is more than a capable passer. He's got a long wingspan, um, and he can kind of effectively get the ball wherever he needs it to be. And he definitely did that um, consistently on Friday night. And so, there's definitely some things that. Um, and then on top of that, one more thing that this that the uh, Pelicans were able to do pretty effectively on offense is. Um, beyond attacking the Golden State centers, they also made it a point to kind of go after Steph as much as possible um, whenever they got in a situation where they could kind of attack him and make him work to play defense. They did. Um, and you could just kind of see um, Steph was kind of a step slow, not just defensively, but also offensively on Friday night, um, coming back from the injury. He's still he's still not, not all the way there. And so the Pelicans are like, well, if he's not all the way there, but you're going to continue to play him, then we're going to have to take advantage of that matchup and find a way to make it a negative. And they, and they certainly did, pushing um, forcing him to kind of play a lot more defense, kind of work a lot harder on both ends of the floor. And that um, clearly had a pretty um, hampering effect on just Golden State in general um, on both ends of the floor. Um, They're definitely going to, Golden State's definitely going to have to make an adjustment. Um, Kerr's going to have to switch some stuff up defensively to kind of contain the Pelicans, but also offensively. Um, They did have a a really, really poor shooting game for them. Um, They shot really bad. Um, low low 30s um which is just abnormal for the for Golden state and so that's that's another thing where um i I don't i wouldn't expect that to persist i mean even if the pelicans are going to play lockdown defense they're going to be they're going to be shots that just go in for the warriors are just that good and i think that's a situation where um as the series progresses we're going to see you know the pelicans continue to bring this really strong defensive effort um all night long, but the Warriors will have more shots um, drop, they'll find a way to get open, they'll find a way to um, make the shots that they do get, and what and I'm sure Kerr's going to dial some stuff up to, to mess with what, this, what the Pelicans are doing and kind of counter what's happening. Um, the Pelicans did find success um, with Drew Holiday covering KD, which for me, it was very surprising just given, um, the height disadvantage there and the fact that a lot of what, uh, Kevin Durant does is kind of based on the fact that he's just taller than everyone and can get an easy open shot, uh, no matter what he does. I was very surprised to find, um, that Drew Holiday played him as well as he did. Um, but he was kind of able to lock up on, on KD, make everything that he was trying to do extremely difficult and, and just kind of go from there. Um, but yeah, with all that in mind, I would definitely expect, um, the Warriors to kind of make adjustments and, and, and co- come back today um, a little bit better. Um, this is this series based on how the two games, um, first two games when it was a competitive series, but you could tell that when the Warriors were clicking and kind of flying on all cylinders that like the Pelicans weren't really in a position to really, to really you know, make them struggle too hard and compete that much. And so I thought, um, I kind of thought after seeing those first two games that the, if there was going to be a game to win, it was going to be this, this game three, the first game at home where the Pelicans came out with a, with the energy of their home crowd, they could make some adjustments. They could kind of spring a, tr- a trap of sorts and put Golden State in a tough position where um, the Pelicans have the opportunity to kind of gain the upper hand and at least walk away with um, with a with a victory. And they they certainly they certainly did that. But I would um, I would definitely I still would put my money on the Warriors kind of closing this one out in in five. I think they'll come back strong today. Um, they'll have some stuff dialed in. I think. Um, Clay, KD, and Steph are all going to be kind of back, and they're going to definitely want to kind of redeem what they did. They're going to have, I'm sure, I I would expect Kurt to switch back and put Draymond on Rondo. Um, He very well could start Iguodala. Um, I think I would definitely switch back to starting Iguodala and only playing centers when they absolutely have to play centers. I think that would be a better tactic for them than um, playing their centers consistently when they can when they are, are definitely a negative out there, um, and don't, can't really provide much offensively and are, are definitely, a, a can't do much, at, if anything at all, defensively more than just kind of provide some slight resistance. So it was, a, it was a strong Friday night game for the Pelicans. I'm um, glad to see that they could, they could make it, um, make it a series and at least take one game. But I, I do think the Warriors will just continue to play well and just, and just close it out in five. Um, moving on to the next series, we have the, uh, Rockets jazz. And so, um, after the jazz um, beat the Rockets in Houston for game two um, in a pretty pretty solid game for them it kind of there's this creeping idea that can, can the jazz can the jazz like extend the series gonna be a six or seven game series can they can they possibly beat the rockets like w- what's happening here and I think um I think that that comes to the problem that that I've talked about a lot of that whole like the narrative shifts with one game at a time whereas you should just take that as a, as a one game isolation not like this is the new pattern that the series is gonna follow because they flip so often i mean we've seen seen playoff series in the past couple of years where one team will win by 20 in one game and then the next team will win by 20 the next game and then the first team will get will win by 20 again in the third game and so um these narrative shifts are kind of uh, a fool's errand um but the jazz did show a lot in their in their in their game to win of like how they can make it difficult for houston how they can win how how they can make the series competitive like they've been um however they were just not able to do that on friday night um, Houston just kind of drugged the Jazz. Um, they were up 70-40 to 40 at halftime, and um, it was just not a good game. Um, the first half, um, just watching the first half is kind of all you really needed to watch to understand what was happening, but um, the Jazz had, had kind of found a way to exploit the Houston defense with their big slipping screens um, to get consistently easy shots, and the um, the Rockets were able to make that adjustment and kind of shut that down. I saw a really strong play from Clint Capella, who had a, a, an absolute monstrous block on Derek Favors and just looked, looked, um, looked like his peak self in the paint, just kind of doing everything he needed to do for the Rockets offense. Um, another thing I really liked defensively for the Rockets is they were kind of forcing uh, Donovan Mitchell to his left, um, making him go to his weak hand and and kind of making him uncomfortable that way. And you could pretty clearly see um, throughout the game that that just kind of threw him off of what he wanted to do. Um, he likes to drive. He likes to get, he likes to get into the paint and attack, but it's very clear that he's at this point in his career much more comfortable going right and finishing that way and kind of attacking and, and, and finding and doing what he wants to do but while he's going right when he go when he's going left he, he was clearly uncomfortable um, he took less shots in the restricted area took less shots shots at the rim and even when he did take shots he did not look as look as effective as, we, as we've as we've seen him however and so that that, that was a big um, big key shift for the Rockets defensively to kind of bottle up Jazz um, bottle up Mitchell, my bad, and the Jazz overall, and it kind of shows that um, hopefully the Jazz can get Ricky Rubio back, because they they might need him just to have a secondary creator when Mitchell is kind of put in a pinch like that. Um, However, um, Mitchell's kind of shown this ability so far in the playoffs where um, he, he, he he reads the defense, sees, sees what they're doing to him. He's been able to figure out how to make adjustments, how to, how to change it up and, and bring new counters um, to beat what they're doing. And I'm actually pretty excited to see what he'll do um, on that, on that front tonight in game four. Um, I think he's going to have something prepared. He's going to be ready that if, that if Houston plays in the exact same way, they played him in game three, it's not going to go as well for Houston because, Um, Mitchell's going to know that's coming and he's going to he's going to know what play he has to make to get around that and beat that where, and so I I would, I would look if I was Houston to, you know, still try to do the same thing, but maybe do it in a slightly different way. Um, kind of disguising what you're doing could be the key to keeping Mitchell off balance and keeping him uncomfortable. But if you let him, if you just come at him the exact same way we saw them come at him the last game, I think he will kind of he'll know and he'll figure out a way to if not if picking it apart might be the wrong word but at least um, circumvent it and attack it in the correct way so that he can consistently get his team open shots um, and get his guys open shots um jay Crowder also had his had his worst game in a couple of games he'd been shooting the lights out the last couple of games of the thunder series and the first couple of games of this series and he did not shoot well on Friday night and so that that had a big effect on the jazz they weren't able um, to kind of have that, have a, have another option out there on the wing, although Joe Ingles continued to play well, um, and, uh, Alec, Alec, uh, Burks was good off the bench, but a big thing for Houston, too, um, a big turnaround for them that they had been missing, um, so far in the series was Eric Gordon, um, Gordon had been shooting, like, sub-30% through the first two games, and he just had not looked like himself in the playoffs as, in general, and he just had a huge game, he had 25 points, he was, he shot well from all, all, all areas of the floor, and just kind of brought it, and, um, Eric Gordon playing at that level is just like a th- is just when he plays um, as well as he can as a six man of the year candidate, a guy that could be starting on most teams in the league, but he's coming off the bench for the the Rockets to do it and is running that you know secondary. He's he's a, he's the third guard who can handle the ball and create if CP and Harden both need rest or if one of them's on the floor but wants to play off ball for a little bit. And so th- to see him return to form is a bad sign for the Jazz um, and definitely throws throws some wrench in the Jazz's ability to kind of switch things up and, and and you know put pressure on on Houston. Um but given that I still think the series has has the um has the basis to be com- be competitive. I, I think the difference between where is the Warriors and the Pelicans um you know the difference is um the Jazz won a game on the Rockets for but also just like the way the Jazz play puts them in a position where that they can continue to make it difficult for the Rockets and I we've seen the signs that they can slow the Rockets down when they need to when the Rockets get hot. And are consistently make and just are just raining threes. It's it's basically impossible to play with them. And the Jazz saw that, but the Jazz has this, have the defensive concepts and they have the players and they have the play style to compete um, with the Rockets and make games hard if they find a way to get off um, and get their guys open shots consistently. Which um, and have Mitchell kind of return to his effectiveness. You know, you know, you get a dud from Mitchell and you kind of see how critical he is to the Jazz offense. Jazz offense, but I like. I said, I think I expect him to return to form. I don't know if I would say the Jazz. I don't know. I would. I would lean towards favoring the Jazz just because you know they're 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 at home. The crowd's going to come hard because um, a big a, a win tonight could would guarantee that they come back to to Utah for at least one for one more game and, and give them a, give them a chance to further the series, but. Um, so I kind of tend to just think I think the Jazz will come out and, and play the way to get to get that second win of the series and, and you know that they can go to Houston and no matter what, they're coming back to Utah for at least one more game and at least one opportunity to win, and I think that'll be huge for them. All right, so now I'm going to move on to the two Eastern Conference games from last night. I'm going to start off with the uh, Celt- Celtics and 76ers, um, uh, a game that uh, this series has just been it's 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 kind of been it's been a great series we've got a, a couple great super exciting games game two and three have both been classics it's just a hard series because i think you can you can tell um i think watching the series you can tell just like the the strength of the celtics roster from top to bottom how that these guys despite the injuries all these guys know what they're doing they, they play control they play within themselves they have complete faith in that Stevens is going to put them in the right position and just top to bottom. They don't have a bad guy. They don't have a bad a guy who's just going to going to give you bad minutes. He might not give you great minutes. He might not give you good minutes, but he's going to give you solid minutes and just not be a net negative, which is kind of different from, from, from Philly, who's just kind of loaded with these top talent. I mean, like we've talked about, is Simmons and Embiid have both been... Um, basically top 15 players, uh, or top 20 players, um, for, I think, in, in in the league so far this season, and so you see them, you just see this the, the kind of nuclear wattage of their talent versus uh, just such a balanced roster from top to bottom, and, and it's just kind of an interesting battle, and, you know, if a couple balls bounce a different way, this series could be 2-1 Celtic, or 2-1 76ers, um, with a game four at home to kind of put the Celtics on ice, whereas uh, that, that hasn't worked out that way, and in fact, and it's the opposite, and it's the Celtics are up 3-0, and this, this series looks basically over because because of the fact that no team has come back from a 3-0 deficit. But uh, the 76ers certainly have the horses um, to come back. We'll, we'll kind of see what happened. Um, the game last night was was a hard-fought overtime victory. Um, I think when you talk about the series overall, the biggest story is that the, the, the advantage the 76ers have, which is just the two best players in the series, Simmons and Embiid, have not played that way. At all, this series, Embiid has put up some good games, at least statistically. At a big, ga- big game in Game One, he had a, he had a big night last night, like twenty three and nineteen. So he, he he did get his points, but he just he hasn't been as dominant um, as I expected. Certainly, um, I do think he he. There's no one on the Celtics roster. Baines, Horford, no matter how good Horford's been, and Horford's been amazing. There's no neither of them is is just. Str- Strong enough and good enough that you would think that Embiid would not be able to take them to the block and just dominate them, at, as consistently you want to. And when you when you watch, you can tell that there's a there's a, I don't know if it's a hesitation or he's just taking his time, but you can definitely tell that Embiid kind of is kind of figuring out how to attack when he gets the ball, whether it's in the post or he or he gets it and he's he's running one of their DHO actions or their pass actions. You can definitely tell there's some hesitance from him when he knows he needs to take it um, as to what he wants to do, how he wants to attack, and and. and that's causing trouble for him because it's letting the Celtics defense kind of set themselves a second, you know, if there's a scrambler, if there's not, but and he gets the ball, he takes like almost like a half second or so or a full second to kind of, to kind of collect what he wants to do. And then he may go, go into the move he's going to make or go into the post move or, or do what he's going to do. And I think that half second of hesitation I don't know whether it's fatigue based or he just needs to like set what he wants to do and kind of get that in his head rather than just kind of just just kind of doing it on the fly whatever it is 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 definitely holding him back a little bit but you know he still clearly can be the best player on the floor when he needs it he does slightly take the 76ers out of like the run and gun game that they had that they played um for the majority to end the season during the win streak and that we saw in the first round when he didn't play but i don't think you trade the loss of that running game for not having him beat out there his force defensively is incredible when he when he's engaged when he's 100 percent there when he's not tired when he's not fatigued he's he can lock down the paint and just kind of be a complete deterrence from the Celtics from getting there and then obviously on the offensive end he can get whatever shot he wants but Um, It's clear that he needs to round out his his spot-up game. Um, The Celtics are not scared of him spotting up and taking a jump shot, especially not a three, and he definitely needs to figure that out um, for the offseason when it comes and just add that to his repertoire. but I think the the more worrisome thing with me has just kind of been Simmons' struggles. Um, Ben Simmons just kind of looked like such a step above at the end of the regular season and in the first round against the Heat. He could do whatever he wanted. He he, he could he could just make any play happen. He just looked like a seasoned vet. The whole not a rookie thing because he's had a year was 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 basically was very much on display in the first round where he just he looked like the game was coming to him so easily, coming to him so slowly that it was just he was just on a different plane than a lot of the guys playing and I think we haven't seen that in this series um, I, I, I would almost describe it as like tentiveness or at least that that's kind of how I read it um, and I think fatigue plays a factor into, to, into it for him too but a big thing that stuck out to me watching the game especially like down the stretch when you know both teams are struggling to get consistent offensive shots in the last couple minutes of both regular regulation overtime and Simmons is going to get in the rebound or Joel is getting the rebound and immediately outletting to Simmons and instead of instead of running or pushing the pace or doing things that he's shown to be so good at um throughout the season is he he kind of walks it up very slowly and 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 kind of gets into their offense that way and their their half court offense is fine but it's not but when it's not it's not clicking as well as it should be and it's it's definitely not better than their transition offense and so it's 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 kind of bewildering for me to just watch him take his time and and when his strength lies in kind of pushing the pace and not letting the celtics to set their defense because the celtics have and brad stevens have definitely have a strongly schemed defense to guard them in the half court you know working they're gonna they're daring ben simmons to shoot they're trying to not they're not letting him get a runaway to get into the lane and so when he walks it up, when Simmons walks it up, he kind of lets them set that up rather than pushing the pace and making them scramble at least a little bit, which would, which is, which is what you want. You need to put them on skates at some at some point. Um, the Philly offense is, is is like many offenses, a key cog of it is the transition. It can get everything going. And so when you when you refuse to push in transition, even when you have strong opportunities to to do to it kind of lowers your offensive ceiling and 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 make sure margin for error that much smaller on both sides of the ball offensive and defensively and i think that's something that they gotta get they gotta they gotta figure out if they hope to at least win a game or two in this series and, and turn it around a little bit but i think i've seen a lot of people um kind of call out they, a lot of it they think simmons and Embiid, it's effort-based is kind of what we're seeing a lot of their errors effort-based and i think Effort-based is the wrong way to go about it, because for me, when you say effort-based, the implication is that they're not playing hard, and I definitely know, um, past experience with players, I've had, that's kind of what they take, is if you're calling them out on an effort-based thing, um, they're 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 gonna take it as, Oh, you think I'm not playing hard or you're not try- or I'm not trying or I don't care and that, that's clearly like the furthest thing from what's happening with Simmons and Beat. I definitely I, I think it's it's due to fatigue. I think you can clearly tell at the end of games that they're just not they're kind of winded. They're gassed and they, they can't they're giving it all they can but there there isn't there's not a ton there left to give. Um, I think they need to find, I think their conditioning probably just wasn't ready for the intensity of playoff basketball and how hard they would have to go because of how hard everyone else brings their game up to. And that's something they're going to have to adjust to and get better at um, as their careers progress. But I uh, you know it's hard to fix in the series. I think Brett Brown could probably steal some rest for them better. Um, pl- you know, you can stagger them a little bit now, obviously when they're together, it's great. But we saw that Simmons can run Hard when Embiid comes out When Embiid's out of the game And so find a way to do that Um, And so you can at least steal them some minutes Steal them some rest here and there Um, On the other side of them Elsewise for the 76ers They're definitely being limited by The supporting cast kind of being up and down Um, Marco Bellinelli's hit some huge shots But he's also just a sieve on defense Um, uh, The big one that sticks out to me though Is Robert Covington Um, I'm a big Rocco guy Um, I love what he does was doing in the regular season, I do think he's probably one of the premier 3 and D players in in the league. And he's just had not, has not been great. Um, he had, he's had two terrible games game one and and last night game three were terrible for him. Game two was good. He played a lot better. He scored 22 points on 15 shots. So he looked a lot better in that game, but, um, he clearly has not been, um, able to consistently play, up to where he should be playing. And, and that's something that they need to figure out. They need be- better contributions for him. Um, not having him play down the stretch because he's not giving them everything he, he can defensively and he can't do everything offensively is definitely a is definitely a, a, a negative for them. They, they need him to be there to consistently play well. And so um, I hope to see some of the other role players um, for the 76ers pick it up. Maybe they expand the rotation a little bit. Um, Markel Fultz is not getting mu- hasn't gotten much run but it would be interesting to just just play him for a couple minutes um, on in Game Four um, because you're in a situation where there's not much you can not much to lose at this point, and um, maybe Markel can provide a spark and just do something that the Celtics aren't ready for. So, um, I think a big reason why um, we saw the seventh, the game switch to the Celtics um, last night is just the the um, execution of late of the late game and the running good plays and making sure you're crisp and getting consistent good shots was so clearly in the Celtics favor and a lot of that, um, you you have to lay at the shoulders of Brad Stevens. Um, the one thing I want to specifically hit on is just Brad Stevens's ability to, to run out of time, out of timeouts plays and draw up a play where from the side out of bounds that just is an easy bucket. Um, at Auburn, um, my third year summer going, going from my junior year to senior year, I was tasked with like kind of watching through as many out of bounds plays and after timeouts plays of possible in the NBA and just like out the best ones and i had to i i almost argued for just letting me do one that was its own uh, its own 15 minute video on top of ones with the best from each team to just do a brad stevens collection because he he is the best at this in the league and i don't think it's close um i do think we're getting into a little bit too much of like a hero worship and a deification of brad stevens as a coach but i think if there's one spot where that is warranted it's his out of timeout plays and his, his 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 especially his side out of bounds plays both times at the end of the game, especially at the end of, um, towards the end of regulation, when they were down two and they needed a bucket to tie it, um, it looked like Market uh, uh, Morris was gonna take a terrible um, deep jump shot that was gonna be contested and, and and just not a good shot. And before and Stevens knew he was about to do that, so before he even got into his moveset, Stevens called a timeout and they got a good play and got and got a got a good bucket, and that's just. The fact that he was able to just jump right in and be willing to just take a timeout with like eight seconds left on the shot clock and say nope, I can drop a play that's going to be better in eight seconds than what we're about to have here is just kind of a huge thing. And then on the, but then on the other side, it's countered with the fact that you know right after that play, the 76ers had a bad turnover, so they went from up to up to to down to in a four four point swing very quickly, and, and and the youth showed that way, and they had they had a couple bad turnovers towards the end of overtime too. They just kind of kind of dug themselves um, holes in these, in this game that they, they should have, they should have been able to close out on the stretch and they just, they just weren't able to. And I think that is, that is another thing that has to do with their youth and that they just, they're, they have the talent to be where they are right now, but they're just not all the way there mentally, um, and conditioning wise and, um, just not ready for the spotlight. I think, um, I think they, they should, I I still think that they should be up to one in this series for sure. Um, and be in control of the series, looking to go to the conference finals and possibly advance to the NBA finals, but they just haven't had, they just have kind of not been able to get the consistent play, and and, and I, I do think you can chalk that up to youth and fatigue rather than um, effort levels or not caring, but um, I think um, every, every, basically every game in the series has had its bright spots. The last two games have been great, and so despite it being 3-0, I think However, even if the 76ers win on uh, on Monday night and then push it to five and then lose in five, however many games we have left, I think they're they're, they're worth watching because I think these are this is one of the more interesting um, series despite the, rec- despite the record of the series. And so moving on to the final series, um, we have the Cavs and the Raptors. I think this series has made one thing very clear and that's LeBron just absolutely owns the Toronto and the Raptors and that there's definitely like a mental part. There's something that... It goes into it that they just can't break from LeBron's stranglehold. Um, the, the Raptors lost a heartbreaker in Game 1. They should have won Game 1, and they just dropped it. Um, they were absolutely destroyed in Game 2. And then last night, they had another heartbreaker where, you know, it just looked like they were going to get run off the floor again. They were down 16 at the start of the fourth and just looked over with. But they were able to claw their way back into the game, um, critically without DeMar Rosen And, um but LeBron uh, hit a huge buzzer beater to push the cast to victory and, and effectively ended the series. Um, the Raptors got good contributions from Lowry, um, but DeRozan wasn't wasn't up to snuff. Um, I was impressed with OG and Nobi and his defense on LeBron. Yeah, LeBron had a great game, but when um, Nobi was on him one-on-one and didn't get forced to switch off him, he played really solid defense and kind of Force LeBron into tough shots, and that's kind of all you can ask. If LeBron happens, to, if LeBron makes those tough shots, I mean, he is the best player in the world. So, kind of, so be it. you have to take that, um, take that as it comes. But just forcing him into the tough shots is is a good step. And Anobi was able to do that, but the Raptors didn't do a good job of when the Cavs came and ran pick and rolls and tried to force switches. The Raptors were just like, ah, oh, we'll let the switch happen, and then they had a vastly inferior defender on LeBron, and LeBron could get whatever he wanted or get an open pass, and so. I think this series has just kind of been marked by while wow, LeBron just basically carried the, Ra- the Cavs through the first round, um, the Cavs have kind of picked up their defense a little bit and picked up their offense a ton in this round, and they seem to be playing a little bit better, which is kind of what I thought. I thought the best chance for someone in the Eastern Conference to beat the Cavs was actually the Pacers just because it was going to be the first series for the Cavs with this kind of group after the big trades at the trade deadline. And so they're going to all have to figure out how to play in the playoffs and who like, what role they play in all this stuff and something that they were, I definitely thought this was something they were going to struggle with. And they, they clearly did against the Pacers in that once they were able to get their feet, feet under them and LeBron was able to figure out how to, how to play and work with everyone. Um, then they would become kind of kind of better as it went on And more and more dangerous And we've clearly seen that Because by all means the Raptors should be in the series um, This should not be a 3-0 series This should be a 2-1 or a 1-2 series Or something like that and But instead the Raptors are just going to get blitzed And um, I don't think there's any hope for them To beat the Cavs at, In Cleveland for a closeout game 4 Which would mean that LeBron Would probably get some rest um, I don't think at all that the, the Raptors have any chance at all And it's just sad um, The Raptors, you know, they work so hard for the one seed For having home seat home court advantage And then they lost both the games at home And I don't know, it's so hard um, The Raptors fans complain all season That they don't get talked about enough And people aren't paying attention to them And they're a lot better than they look And they had a really good regular season And looked really good And they looked alright in the first round um, I think they, they should have beaten um, the Wizards more easily And then they just haven't looked They just, they just don't even look like they belong on the same floor as the Cavs for the majority of these games, and that's that's just a hard pill, pill to swallow, but this 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 might just be the ceiling for their team based on their talent level and whatnot. So I do think this is interesting because at this rate, we're kind of destined for Celtics-Cavs matchup, which um, will be a fun next round series just because it's the Thanos versus Avengers matchup uh, of the playoffs with LeBron as the Thanos dominance, just the all-omnipotent, just destructor, Versus um, the Celtics machine, which has just got top to bottom stacked with guys that consistently do do what they have to do um, and do it correctly, and so that that will just be an interesting series because I think the the Celtics can find a way to game plan to win every matchup advantage except for the LeBron versus whoever is guarding LeBron. But um, will that be enough? Because that's basically what the Pacers did, and it wasn't enough for them. So um, that's good. But um, the series, you know, despite. Okay. These series being kind of lopsided, and there have been definitely some blowouts this round. Um, I think they've been exciting, and they're they're, they're worth watching on a night to b- night basis. You're always going to get some great plays, no matter what's happening. Um, we've had great plays from both from all teams. Um, you know, even though the 76ers lost a heartbreaker last night, uh, Joel Embiid just added to the added his name to the list of people that have dunked Aaron Baines out of existence. So um, that was fun. But uh, yeah, it's been a good set of games. Um, I think it's interesting that it's the each conference owns each night like the schedule worked out that way so there's two eastern games a night and two western games a night versus one east one west a night it's and so that way there's a natural late and early game but you know what um it it is what it is it makes for some some good playoff basketball no matter what so enjoy it while we still got it um and uh i'll talk to you guys next week um i guess depending on how these series play out we could be talking conference finals by then but if some one of two of these teams um try, find a way to claw their way back into the series whether it's the Jazz or somehow the 76ers claw their way back then we maybe have to put off that talk but um, in the meantime um, keep keep enjoying the great basketball subscribe tell your your friends you know rate and review and uh, I'll talk to you guys next week